You are listening to the Grassroots StarCraft II Podcast, Episode 6, originally released on September 6, 2022. This episode will be an interview with Grandmaster League Terran and recent computer science graduate, Eurystheus. Hello, Internet. Hello, hello. Hello. Are we on? We are live now. Welcome to the podcast. You're having me? Eurystheus. Is that correct? I've ha having, tr yeah. having some trouble with the pronunciation here, but I think... Uh, you got it. You I, got th it. I think You're I got it dialed in. I was uh, practicing that YouTube video of the robotic voice you sent me. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got it. Cool, cool. Well, right. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you for having one. I don't think there are too many for StarCraft. Right. So it's cool. All right. Okay, so we're just going to go through these questions? Or yeah, how... so we'll go through the different categories here. So the first category will be player. Uh, the second category of discussion will be coaching. And then we'll go into streamer. And then as a fan. And then finish up with the outro. Okay, cool. Cool. All right, let's dive right into the podcast here. So the first question is talking about your ID. Let's talk about how did you land with, seems like a Greek <laughs> mythology type of uh, yeah. ID for a video game. So, so when I was like nine or 10, there's a, there's a book that I had gotten and it was about a Greek mythology. And there was all these different uh, myths in it. And one of them was about Hercules. And it was like, I forget how many labors there were, but it was about his, his labors he had to go through. And the Greek king who assigned him all these tasks, his name was Eurystheus. And when I was looking for an ID when I was 10, I was like, huh, that sounds like a name I hadn't heard of before. So I picked it. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll pick that one. And I don't know. It's kind of a kind of a silly uh, name to pick, I guess, kind of in hindsight, because it's kind of hard to say and stuff. And most people don't usually pronounce it right the first time. But I don't know. As a kid, I kind of liked the look of it, and um, I was kind of I was just too stubborn to change it. Really, I'm a pretty stubborn person. Cool. So it's got this like king theme to it. You picked it as a kid, and it, it just stuck. So, yeah. and that's what you're known as in the community. Cool. Yep. A lot of people call me Yuri though, and I'm fine with that too. So Yuri. I'm not like super picky about it. I think yeah. I'll stick with Yuri from now on for simplicity's sake. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, maybe this, your previous answer here was a bit alluding to this next question, but the next question here is, uh, when did you start playing StarCraft II? Yeah, I started playing, um, I can tell a bit of a story here. So. I played like some Brood War, but I didn't play like competitive Brood War or anything like that. It kind of just like played through the campaign, uh, watched my older brother play through the campaign of uh, StarCraft 1 and Brood War. And it was always like a very fun game, but as a kid, I always had, I always played like other games too on the side. And then when I was like 10, uh, Wings of Liberty, Liberty came out and played through the campaign of that. Uh, started playing uh, 1v1s 
I was uh, really bad. I was like bronze, like the back of bronze, like like about as bad as you could be in the, at the game. But I stuck with it, and I didn't even play that much as a kid. I didn't really start playing a lot till I was like 14, 15. And why a lot? I mean like not like a lot, a lot, like on the weekends and stuff. So like, I don't know. I always played the game, like, but I didn't play like a ton of it because like I had other things I was doing in my life too. Like I, I didn't like devote like a ton of time but like over time i guess like it kind of compounded you know to where i am now but yeah um, i don't know if you want me to just yeah i know you should yeah no, it's kind of a weird story i don't know okay what so do you, think? you start off with a campaign which I, I think is a good foundation if you don't have prior rts experience it's uh low pressure to play the campaign you're not playing against a person and having a heart attack especially uh ladder anxiety yeah. if you're brand new to a game like starcraft and yeah yeah you eventually hop in a ladder similar to me you start off the very bottom of bronze uh but the difference between you and me is you've reached heights of grandmaster um awesome yeah well i also started when i was really young and that helps a lot when the brain is developing very very true yeah I, something i was definitely not as young as uh 10 when i started starcraft too so Big difference there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I kind of played all three races at first, but then uh, I always kind of had an affinity for Terran. I don't know if it was just like the humans, it was like more relatable or something, but the other two races just, uh, Protoss seemed kind of interesting, but I don't know. I stuck with Terran. I think that might have just been because a lot of Wings of Liberty campaign was Terran. It might have just been something that simple, but... Uh, I never really thought about switching races. I didn't, I didn't really like the core mechanics of a lot of the other races. Like, I didn't like how uh, fragile, like, Protoss can be and how you always have to, like, inject and spread queen, creep as Zerg. So, uh, yeah, I never really switched uh, race uh, races, like, even seriously for, like, more than, I'd say, like, three days or something. Like, I never really seriously tried to play another race, so... Yeah, that's kind of interesting, I guess. Maybe I should take that up. <laughs> okay, so you've already covered some of the questions I was about to ask. Uh, one of the questions was, what is the race that you started out with? It sounds like you dabbled in all of the races, but you end up landing with Terran. You really enjoy Terran. You enjoy the mechanics. You might enjoy particular units, um, but you didn't have a real affinity for Zerg spreading the creep. The Like you said, the fragileness of Protoss didn't interest you. So you're very happy with Terran, and that's where you you continue to be. Um, so what's your favorite matchup as Terran? Um, these days, I don't really have, like, a super favorite. I, I'd say, like, the most fun matchup is probably TVP, just because uh, the way that the that TVP usually plays out is very, um, like, micro and army composition-focused. Uh, TVT isn't bad either, but it's like much uh, much more strategic and much slower paced usually. I mean, sometimes it can be hectic, but generally it feels very campy, especially in the current meta. And then TVZ is, it, it used to be like a lot of fun in like Heart of the Swarm, but these days, again, like Zergs are like getting, are like really good at spreading creep, injecting, like mechanically they've just, they've gotten a lot better the last few years. And a lot of TVZ is just deciding like when you need a camp and when you can still win the game and creating like momentum and stuff. So 
TDZ is, is definitely, in my opinion, the hardest matchup for Terran right now, just because you have to have really good mechanics, you have to be really fast, you have to take have good micro, like, you have to have everything in TVZ, but I think that's probably why it's um, so popular uh, to the viewers. Okay, so your answer here is your favorite matchup is TVP. Uh, there's a lot of variety in the build orders for both opponents in that matchup. Um, I think we've seen some evolution in, that, in all matchups, rather, but in sp yeah. especially in TVP, as we've seen the game evolve from Wings of Liberty till now. Uh, TVZ, I would agree, definitely one of the most mechanically demanding, if not the most mechanically demanding matchups for both sides, really. And this, the entertainment factor is definitely there. Um, mm -hmm, yeah. Cool. And so yeah. let's move on to the next question here. So what is your favorite unit in the game as Terran? And it could it could be a unit you don't use a lot, right? It could be let's say you don't use ghosts yeah. a lot, but you really you really enjoy the unit. What what's your favorite unit? Ghosts ghosts are alright. I, I use ghosts a lot, but they're everyone will tell you how broken ghosts are, but they're actually pretty fragile and they're kinda hard to micro. Maybe that's just my Terran bias, but uh, I don't know. Ghosts are kind of a they're kind of a burden and a blessing at the same time. Cause like if you micro them really well, then it looks like really effortless. And it looks, they look pretty borderline broken if they're, they're microed quite well and they're like spaced out and they're behind tanky units and stuff, but on their own, they're not really that great. So I don't know. I would probably say like Raven probably. Raven is a really nice unit. Uh, it's very, very, very powerful in TBT. And it also is coming back into the meta in TBZ. Uh, Raven open, one Raven openers, even two Raven openers is a thing. And even in, in TVP, it's very, uh, very important to make one Raven in the opener. Uh, people haven't started making Ravens in late game, but who knows? Maybe we'll start going that direction. <laughs> the Raven is such a unique unit because I feel like earlier on in StarCraft 2, it wasn't really part of the meta. It was yeah. more of like a meme build, right? You see Ket Rock, you know, and mm -hmm. High Diamond, Little Master League, just trolling people with Mass Raven. But I took yeah. a bit of a break from the game and... And I came back and I was surprised to see that Raven was part of the meta, right? Like TBT, it's uh, two Raven opener, three Raven opener. It's, I don't know if it still is kind of a thing for TBT. And I've been seeing pro, semi-pro yeah. games where they use Ravens against Protoss and, and Mineral Lines to be annoying. Maybe do the same with yep, Zerg. Yep. Even in, uh, so yeah, the Raven got a huge rework around, I want to say like three to three years ago. Uh, for a while there, the uh, anti-armor missile did damage to the enemy units. So for like a patch, like for a couple months, uh, Maru was just spamming ravens and TVZ and stacking them and killing everything with the shredder missile, believe it or not. Uh, so ravens have gone through, and in wings even, they're the seeker missile. I guess it never really got much use, but... I don't know, I always found it kind of interesting. I didn't really, I was too young, and I, I wasn't really good at microing back then, so I didn't really use it, but... It didn't seem completely useless, I don't know, but I guess it just wasn't good in pro meta. Even the spell they use on tanks, like, that was new to me coming back to the game. I never saw that before. So that really changed oh, yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah. That really changed TVT as well. Interference Matrix, yeah. Right. That's, that's actually a really nice spell. It used to cost... Uh, I want to say it used to cost 25 energy. But then they had to nerf it because it was just incredibly broken. You could, you could use like, or no, it used to cost, it used to cost fifty energy. Yeah, that's right. Because now it costs seventy-five energy. 
Uh, it used to cost 50, so you'd have four interference matrix. Yeah, so the Raven's been tuned a lot recently, but it's still quite good. Or not recently, but the last couple of years, but it's still quite good, and I like it, so that would be my answer. Okay, cool. Uh, let's jump to the next question. Let's talk about MMR range. Now, I've had a Grandmaster League, a former Grandmaster League Terran on the show. Uh, I think he was more on the lower end of Grandmaster League, and I, I suspect, suspect now you'll be the highest MMR guest on the podcast, so... Where are you sitting at right now on the North American ladder? Uh, right now I'm like 5,200, but I'd like to think I'm better than that. I don't know. I've been, I've hit 5,600 earlier this year. I've been 5,500 semi-consistently, like off stream, but I'm not really playing this game super, super seriously right now. So it's kind of just like whatever, just doing random build orders. But yeah, I'd say that's probably, I probably average around 5,300 usually when I'm playing like semi-seriously. I don't know. Uh, I'm not like super good or anything but i'm like a decent na player i'd say like i mean like a top 50 na player probably even on that's the low end of 5200 is very respect respectful yeah uh, that's true yeah. very admirable i mean uh coming as a, yeah. a 3600 player here uh <laughs> over in diamond land and i, yeah, I hear it's, it's a different world over there i, I, I hear I've seen, I've seen some diamond games i hear uh 5200 uh that's on a bad day and you know, on a, on a really excellent day off stream, I'm rocking 56, and uh, uh, like 55 usually. But yeah, I did hit 5600 once. <laughs> cool. Well, congratulations to that. So, what would you classify yourself as? Like semi-pro? I mean, you're uh, grand, you're grand, you're grandmaster league, but do you compete in like, like EPT cups? No, no. Uh, you have to be like 6k to like have a chance at making money. At any... The thing about EPT cups is. The first round, like for me in my MMR range, and I think a lot of people will uh, understand this, is in my MMR range, the first match I play, probably not going to be a professional player, so I can beat them, but the second match I play is always going to be a 6k and over player, and that, and like, as much as I like, like learning from those types of players and like playing them, um, spending 45 minutes to beat somebody who probably isn't evenly matched against you just isn't really that much fun uh and i'm not really trying to like actively like improve my game like if i was really tryharding i'd probably play every EPT cup but i don't know i have other priorities right now but yeah it's a weird mmr range because you're like you're like kind of too high mmr to play in these mmr cap leagues but you're too low mmr to like win anything on like a professional tournament stage so you're in this like Goldilocks zone where it's like, yeah, no, you you suck at everything. Congratulations. So it's almost like, I mean, you're technically a Grandmaster League, but it's almost like if they broke up Masters to even more, right? Yeah, yeah. It would be more suitable of a title, right? Because yeah, maybe if they if at one point they made Grandmaster League explicitly for pros, or they had what is it for other games? It's called like Contender, things like that, yeah. where the Contender really is the pro level. But yeah, yeah. with StarCraft, we see Grandmaster League could be a mixture of streamer, right? I think Nero peaks at like 5,200. Yeah. Um, you're a mixture of streamer and, and player, and you are you go between 52, 5,500. So it's, uh, it is that weird zone. It's, yeah, uh, the NA ladder used to be a lot more competitive, and like 5,400 was GM. Um, but there's like less like players or yeah, there's just less players on a NA at least on the top half I don't know about the bottom half distribution and part of that problem is because if you're on US East You can play on EU with very minimal ping and EU is much more um, Active at the top level. So it's it's kind of just mostly a server thing in my opinion uh, Yeah, but 
it is kind of weird because you don't really start seeing like five six five seven five eight plus players until you get to like rank like i think it's like rank 30 or 40 on gm right now so yeah gm's been a little bit weaker lately on na at least but uh I'm pretty sure Jim is still pretty strong on EU. It's like 5,300 or 5,200 to get Jim on EU. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. People like to talk about that stuff and say NA is a weak region because of that, but I firmly believe there's still some good players in NA. <laughs> I think there's great players in NA. I forgot who it was I heard recently say, I think it might have been on one of Harstam's YouTube videos saying, no, I think that EU and NA is equivalent. It was Katz. Katz said, I think NA and EU is equivalent. Yeah. I think that's a bit of a hot take actually yeah, yeah. uh we, we see at the beginning of na ladder season we, you can get a gm as low as like 49 from what i've heard or read mm-hmm. yeah you so, can i actually got 47 75 on a protoss account and that made it into gm so <laughs> you'd be surprised what you can get into gm with in the beginning of the season throwing some shade at protoss players <laughs> here saying 4700 i i don't have gm with protoss right now okay so i'm not that accomplished okay <laughs> Uh, all right, so I've caught your stream a bit, but let's go into playstyle now, uh, and let's tell the tell the viewers now, the future listeners of the podcast, what kind of playstyle are you into? Are you kind of standard macro? Do you like playing it safe? Do you like mixing it up? Are there particular matchups or maps where you just go full cheese and you just want to set that tilt meter off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I play a lot of different openings. I'm not like super locked into like one playstyle, but if I'm trying, if I'm playing for like MMR, there's like really only a few strategies you can use. Like, I, I like to do a lot of like trollish builds and stuff that like really aren't. They're just not good openers, but they're really fun. I, I mostly play this game for fun these days. Like, obviously, I, like I want to stay at a certain level, but uh, yeah, this game is like a lot more fun when you play it for fun. <laughs> if you play it seriously, there's definitely something you can get out of it, and there's a lot of satisfaction when you perform in tournaments. Uh, but at least in this game, unless you're like insanely talented and you've already done the work, it's very difficult to perform well in tournaments, uh, if you're not, uh, well-practiced because mechanics are so important in this game. So I would say if I'm playing like a tournament, I'll definitely do like more all in slash, uh, macro openings and I won't do like dubious, uh, risky builds as much. Uh, but if I'm just messing around, I could I could throw basically whatever I want because at least on the NA server, like there's a lot of like known players that I've played many times, so I generally know what they're going to do. So it's very fun to like kind of like metagame them or do something weird because I might think I can get away with it. Interesting. So if you're playing in a tournament, you're probably going to play more safe. If you're playing on stream, you might throw in some wacky builds. Uh, especially yeah. if you have opponent, I think that's the difference between Grandmaster League and the other leagues is that in Grandmaster League the population is smaller, so you you yeah. you build up an understanding, a knowledge of your opponents, their play styles, and then you yeah. can what is called meta game doing the meta game right where you you know this particular matchup. Let's say you're going to play pick pick somebody like a Zerg or something. Oh, I don't know. Uh, who do you know? Who do you random, know? random barcode 5k Zerg? I don't know. <laughs> random barcode 5k Zerg. They... Believe it or not, there's actually a strategy set for barcodes. Like, you don't want to do something too crazy because you don't know who you're playing. Right. So, you, but going CC first is almost like a Russian, yeah, no. Russian roulette, huh? No, you don't want to do that against a random barcode 5k Zerg. You're going to 
either be getting 12 pooled or maybe you'll get lucky but if you're playing for mmr don't do that not a good idea in you, my get a, opinion. you get a minus 45 there <laughs> sometimes yeah <laughs> okay uh, and as uh, speaking of uh 12 pool and cheese uh what's your favorite cheese per matchup so let's start off with tvt uh tvt you gotta do two x reaper it's the best proxy two x reaper it's the best uh cheese build in tvt you can do like riskier stuff like uh double proxy x marauder or like proxy four x reaper but i don't really like either of those builds because they're very reliant on either your opponent not scouting or uh you just microing really well and if you don't micro well and you do those more committed builds uh you'll probably just lose so that's why i like proxy 2x because you can transition out of it really easily and you only really need to kill like two to three scvs for you to be like even in the game um so yeah it's it's a nice build order uh it's pretty prevalent right now though so yeah that, that build never really goes away everybody kind of knows how to do it and they all know like how to scout for it and stuff I've tried it myself recently. I've been playing random, and I, I don't know much about Terran as an as yeah. an off race for me. But a response that I had was from an opponent was bunker at the cliff, in uh, bunker at the main base where you jump up the cliff, yeah. and then yeah. bunker at the I think it was the natural. So it was pretty much just shut down completely, and I was very shocked to see such an early, valid def defensive response to that cheese. Yes, it's pretty common, even in the lower uh, leagues. Um, yeah, the the whole thing with Proxy 2-Rex is if you see two bunkers, uh, you generally just have to play macro. You're probably not going to be able to kill them. But I would almost consider that as like an overreaction, depending on what their opener was. But yeah, I, don't, I don't know how technical you guys want to get. Uh, should, I, should I go into this? Or... Yeah, you can go dive in for a bit, sure. Yeah, so basically the double bunker response to proxy two racks is um, it's it's generally what you do if you went one gas expand and you SCB scouted and you saw that there was nothing at home, so you're just assuming okay it's a two racks double bunker, uh, one at the at the ramp and one at the cliff, because um, you kind of have to because your factory is much later if you go one gas expand, so you're not going to have a hellion out, so. Uh, you're just going to get overrun because it's two barracks reaper production uh, versus uh, one barracks reaper production. Uh, so that's why they make the bunkers. But if you go double gas in your factories earlier, you generally don't have to make the bunkers. But some people still make the bunkers because they're just really scared. Um, but And they don't trust their micro. But um, yeah, you don't have to. So it just depends on what your opener was. Uh, yeah. I don't usually make double bunker though even if i go one gas because i like losing <laughs> also I, I do remember this game in particular it was a bit of a cheeky response too because they did a gas steal which is a, typically like a lower level thing to do but i think yeah, I <laughs> they're trying to prevent the double gas reaper and, and slow down the reaper production maybe even like just you can only really produce out of one racks at a time right uh, Maybe eventually two racks once you no. build up some gas, but just at, le at least initially it'll slow down that second and third reaper. Yeah, uh, yeah. Initially, yeah, but three and gas on one gas can support two barracks reaper production. It's just uh, initially you'll probably be delayed by like five seconds uh, not having the second gas. But yeah, it sounds like it, was, it would have been a really early gas deal if you take your gas. I don't know. I, I would have had to see the replay. Sure, sure. Okay, so that's TVT cheese. What's your favorite TVP cheese? Um, well, Protoss has this thing called Super Battery, so it's kind of hard to cheese them early on in, in the game, but 
the one cheese I usually I was doing a lot recently is uh, it's like a one base four hellion medevac drop. And the idea is you show up at the opponent's base at like four minutes with four hellions and you kind of just skill. It's kind of called a skill check because if they don't have Phoenix, they're only going to have brown units to defend it. So you're always going to get like five probes at least. And since there is a medevac and four hellions, you can just pick up if they're not focusing the medevac and move to the other mineral line and just be like, generally, like if you micro it even decently well and your opponent doesn't have a lot of units because they invested too much into tech or they made too many probes. You can get like 10 SCVs. It's a nice, it's a nice opener. Um, yeah. I don't know if that really counts as a cheese, but it's kind of a cheese because your command center goes down at like 305 instead of 145. So I would consider it a cheese, but some people maybe not. Sounds, sounds scary from the Protoss perspective. If you're not making gateway units or have the Phoenix to deal with the, yeah. Or even not having shield batteries. Because if you can kill two Hellions, then you can't one-shot probes anymore. Because three Hellions one-shots probes. So the build actually isn't that strong. But if you're not expecting it, you can definitely lose very quickly to it. I'll have to incorporate this, incorporate this into my play. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then finally, TVZ. What's what's your what's Yuri's go-to cheese? Um... Well, in GSL right now, a lot of professional players have been going two base all ins off CC first and non CC first builds. I haven't really been studying that too too much, so I don't really know those builds too well because I don't really trust my micro uh, in those types of games. Because when you when you cheese in TVZ, uh, you can't. There are some barracks cheese like proxy two x, proxy three x, proxy four x, but those cheeses, in my opinion, are very coin flippy because if the Protoss player scouts it or they go pool first. Uh, it can work, but you have to have like very good decision making on where to put your marines, and you have to get an early bunker up. And there's like it's, it's actually like people will think I'm silly here, but it's actually very technical cheese uh, to do correctly, especially in the higher levels. And like I just don't have enough practice doing that, and I'd rather just play a macro game. But some people really get into it, and they're like quite good at like the meta games and stuff because the reaction from Zerg is very different depending if it's a proxy two x or a proxy three x or a proxy four x. So, uh, yeah, but that's probably not my favorite cheese. Probably, um, I don't know. I don't really eat cheese in DUZ because it's not very good, in my opinion. But if you want to count, like, a two-base all-in as a cheese, then, yeah, probably, like, a two-base all-in. Okay. Yeah, I think it was Mario that kind of recently popularized this two-base all-in, maybe even a 3cc type of all-in in this particular matchup. Yeah. Okay, uh, this has probably been previously answered, but we could still briefly go over it. What are your goals as a player? It sounds like you don't have concrete goals to continue to improve as a player, which is fine. I mean, you have maybe other things going on in your life. Uh, as the intro alluded to, you're a recent computer science graduate, so that might be the focus yeah. now. Yeah, uh, get a job. Uh, we're working on that right now. And once I get a job, then probably I'll look back into playing a bit more seriously when I have like a... Like a schedule you know but right now it's just i'm not really too too focused on starcraft like i could probably spend a bit more time on it though but i'd much rather like practice like programming and it's just more technical things uh but yeah as a as a starcraft player though like eventually uh i recognize that i have like probably 10 more like very good starcraft years in me like once you get in your low mid 30s like your career is almost over people i mean there are still good players like Ryung and stuff who play gsl 
but just generally speaking, most players are in the age range of uh, like 18 to 32. So I would like to continue. Like, it's just right now I'm not really focused on improving as a player because in my eyes, if I wanted to improve, I'd have to play at least five hours a day. And that's just not really something I can do right now and probably won't be able to do in the future. So I don't know. I, I like to keep uh, optimistic. Maybe if I was really focused and I played three hours a day, maybe I could improve. But it's very uh, difficult to improve at my level because the gains are, uh, it's kind of an exponential curve where you're on the part where it's very flat <laughs> and it's very hard to improve. <laughs> right. At your level, the the smallest amount of improvements need to be made at a time versus somebody going from bronze to silver. You know, you just, you made three more probes in that game and it got you from bronze three yeah. to silver two. You know, that's not going to be the case for you. For you, it's, it's going to be a lot of micro, yeah. a lot of attention to detail, and that's going to take yeah, yeah. many hours of grinding, understandably. Well, it's not even that, though. Like, some some people, like, this might be a little depressing, but some people, they, they like, never improve their micro, or they improve their micro to a point, and then, like, they just can't get better, like, for, for whatever reason. And a lot of people like to say, like, anyone can learn macro, but not everyone can learn micro. And I, I don't know. Maybe I just made that up. Maybe I have. I feel like I've heard that at least, like, once or twice. And like, I kind of believe in that, like you can learn micro, micro for sure, like even basic micro, but I feel like once you get like higher and higher level, especially in GM league, like the micro, like I would, I would say the biggest difference between like somebody my level and somebody like 6k plus is decision making and micro. I mean, macro obviously too, their macro is better than mine, but I would say even bigger, it's micro and decision making. And those are things that are like very difficult to improve on. Sure. All right. Uh, we're about to wrap up the player section here. We could probably talk about, so don't, you're on the North American server, but do you only play NA or do you like to mix in EU? I know it's rough for us out here in NA West yeah. because we get a massive ping to EU and I guess it's more favorable to play KR, but I personally get best ping maybe is like 150 to, to KR, so to Korea. Yeah. Uh, I've gotten like 140 ping, I think, to Korea before. I don't know. Uh, my internet isn't amazing, and it's also just a distance thing. <laughs> like, you're really far to Korea, and you're really far to Europe. So for West Coast, I, I've heard Korea is good, but good players play EU and KR, just depending on what time of day. Because uh, really what it comes down to these days is NA is most active from like, 2, 3 p.m. Pacific to 7 or 8 p.m. Like, there's like five hour windows where each server is most active. And EU is most active at like, uh, like 9, 10 a.m. to like 2 p.m. And so it's kind of like a sliding window kind of. So like if you want to play like, and you want to have the highest chance of playing someone close to your level, if you're like five, 5K and up, like you're best like playing certain servers at certain hours of the day. But obviously I'm kind of picky and I'm not like really trying to improve. So uh ping kind of annoys me like there's nothing worse than playing a game that you know you probably could have won on an a if your mental was actually like good and in line like like the hardest thing play thing to learn as like a player is how to play well on ping knowing that you're playing someone who doesn't have any ping like it's like it's such a mind uh like like a mental problem i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's kind of hard to relate to, I guess, for you, but yeah. Uh, I think you, from, you can probably feel ping. I can definitely feel ping on Korea. Uh, yeah. I've I've taken the steps that Vindicta advised of using like a mudfish. It's it's kind of yeah, like a yeah. VPN, but it's it, a router. Yeah, so it, it does improve routing for games, not just StarCraft Two, 
And I, I have to test without Mudfish, but I think there was a slight difference. Yeah, it's like 30 ping, I think. And apparently it's more uh, like reliable. Okay, so we, I think we had a couple questions in the chat. Um, scrolling up here, because we, we're done with the player section now, but mm -hmm. the, the first question here is, uh, if the population is less in reference to North America, uh, the MMR is lower at the top. Is that because there is less MMR going around? Yeah, generally. That's the theory, but uh, it's also just there's less top-level players playing, so it's harder to differentiate yourself as a player. Like, obviously, there's still, like, 62, 6,300 players, but you have to understand that if you're 6,300 on NA, that's basically the ceiling. Like, there's very... There's maybe one or two players above that, and they don't really play actively. Like, Neeb's, like, 6,500, but... I, I could tell you right now, and everyone pretty much knows he plays on EU mostly. Uh, so, just in general, if you're 6k above on NA, you're not really losing to anybody. And if you are losing to people, you're losing to people who are like 57 and above. Uh, so, yeah, and the population just isn't really that huge on NA, so I'd say it's like not enough players, at, not enough MMR. Uh, to make it so that if you queue into a game, like even if you're 6K and you queue into a game, you might get someone a thousand MMR below you. But if you go on EU at the, at the right hours, you could get another 6K player. So that's basically why people like to play EU in Korea. Right. So just to just to recap here, there could there'd be less players, less MMR going around on NA. The players like top of NA, Scarlets, the Neebs, the Ninas, you know, they're. They play at particular times, maybe to their to their schedule, or they're playing less. Yeah. yeah. So. A little of both, I'd say. Yeah. Depending on the player. And I think it's it's, I mean, if you're in GM, maybe you've been matched with some of these six K players. It's just probably seeing that loading screen. It's just fun, right? I can imagine just like, <laughs> like, well, yeah. freaking freaking out if the first time, you know, I'm Yuri, I, I'm let's let's go play rank tonight, and you know you get need, <laughs> you know what. <laughs> How does that feel? Well, I've never gotten Neeb on an A. Neeb is a very rare rare player to get on an A because uh, he doesn't queue a lot, and I'm just not high enough in order to get him, even if he was queuing. <laughs> so I've never gotten Neeb before, but um, it is really a, quite the feeling when you go from playing a 4,500 player to a 6K player in two two separate games. It's like you're it's like it's like speaking two different languages almost because like you play one player who plays like one way and then like the 6k player plays like super high economy doesn't make a lot of units is relying on their micro to defend certain situations and then you play like a 4500 player and it's like the complete opposite it's like no economy at all <laughs> making a bunch of units trying to kill you it's like i don't know it's <laughs> it's just, you get two sides of the play styles like and it is definitely an experience i would say that it's definitely an experience could be annoying, but it also sounds a, a bit of entertaining, too. Sort of, yeah. I mean, when you play NA, you kind of know what you're getting into. So if you're on West Coast, it's kind of like, oh, okay, do I want to play higher player, better like play, rated players and with ping, or do I want to just kind of just play the game, you know, like and not really care too much about who you're playing? Totally. That makes sense. Okay, so let's go to the next topic of discussion here. Uh, coaching, this is a first time for the podcast here. I'm pretty excited to talk about this, to have a new perspective on the game. So let's talk about just the a baseline here. So how many hours or clients would you say have you coached over the years? Uh, 
No, not that many. Probably like five total, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like I learned a lot in, the, in my time when I was coaching, and it was definitely a fun experience. You definitely learn a lot about uh, like problems that players have that you may not have had, like, because I feel like the game is so vast. Uh, just, like, as a player and through your journey of, like, improvement or trying to improve, there's definitely, like, a lot of potholes that people end up in and that put them in certain pockets of MMR that you don't really realize until you kind of start coaching and you see them, I guess. I would imagine I'm there around, like, 3,600. Uh, I've been play playing the game on and off for a long time, and yeah, I've never actually had c coaching from a pro or semi-pro or, or GM player, rather. So it might be, it's something I've been thinking about recently to try because I, yeah, yeah. I'm just stuck in my mindset of how I play the game, right? And just have a different yeah, yeah, perspective yeah. might be a good thing. Well, yeah. I mean, Diamond is the, uh, is the hardest league to get out of. It's always been hard to get out of, but I think even right now, in my opinion, like, just the, the vast, like, in order to get out of Diamond League, like, there's so many, like, mechanical things you have to learn. There's, like, so many decision-making things you have, like... Even for me when I was young, I think I was stuck in Diamond for like a couple of years. Like I definitely didn't have an easy time getting, progressing through the ranks. And like, yeah, there's just a lot of things you have to learn to get out of Diamond League, I, I would say. Sure. All right. So what do you personally think makes a good versus a bad coach? You've done some coaching yourself. Maybe you've watched other streamers or players do coaching. What, what is the difference between yeah. like a good coach or, um... or your approach of coaching? Uh, well, I would say, obviously, a coach that is, like, more into their clients and they take notes and they know their clients' problems and they're able to, uh, like, talk them through things. But just in general, like, I feel like there's just, like, two different types of coaching. Like, you can get really good coaching from, like, professionals or, like, really big streamers. Like, don't get me wrong, they're probably good coaches. But I feel like also when you pay for that, like, you're going to pay more and you're paying for, like, the experience, too, like, because you're talking to, like, a big community member and something like that. So, like, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but, like, I would say it's just kind of, like, a different type of coaching, and it kind of gets, uh, what's the word? It kind of gets, like, mixed in with, like, the same word, because, like, I would almost say that's, like, a different type of coaching, because, like, I don't know, it's just less, uh, what's the word? Like, like a, a lot of people, when they get coaching, they'll get coaching, like, once or twice, and then they'll just call it a day. They're like, okay, I got coaching. Did it help? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Like, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of an interesting, uh, it's an interesting pathway. Because, like, I feel like it can definitely help a lot of people, but I feel like there's also definitely people that coaching would not help uh, for various reasons, of course. Okay, so it sounds like uh, a person, a player that's a coach, let's say, you know, they're a Grandmaster League player, they're a pro. Uh, a client like myself that might hire that type of coach, there's a bit of appeal of like, you know, the celebrity or like the yeah. high, higher tier within the community, maybe yeah, a yeah. bit of like intimidation or ad admiration, right, for that person. Compared to if I hire you as a coach, I know you're still a significantly player, better player than I am. Uh, the cost difference might be, it's definitely going to be there. Um, but I won't be as nervous, maybe, if you're coaching me versus, like, hypothetically speaking, right? Scarlet doesn't coach, I don't think, anymore. But, like, let's say Scarlet was coaching me, right? I'd be nervous as hell to see yeah, yeah. somebody so skilled at the game dissecting my incredibly me mediocre gameplay, right? <laughs> yeah, there's also that, too, I guess. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with like with like professional coaching, but you have to understand like it depends on the player and it depends how much coaching they've done because like there are definitely good like pro level coaches that um, take the job very seriously, take notes, like understand their clients and stuff. But you have to understand that like that's not everyone and like it's one of those things where like if you want to improve at the game finding a good coach is definitely like um it's definitely important i would say like i never really got that much coaching but i also played the game a lot when i was really young and i thought about the game a lot and like i learned from i like studied a lot of games and stuff and i also have my problems now that probably stopped me from improving like three years ago when i still had more time but it's like it's one of those things where coaching can definitely helps you help you uh but it, i it, i don't think it would really help everybody unfortunately some people are just stuck in their habits a bit too much i would say right yeah especially as you get older your brain starts to kind of cement in its ways its ways of thinking and executing yeah. this video game uh kind of jumping back in the chat here i think we had a couple of success stories here uh we had softcore spongebob saying i asked yuri for replay analysis and he told me my unit positioning was dog shit. <laughs> and he was right. <laughs> I changed it next game and I held the same attack. So yeah. congratulations, Softcore SpongeBob. It sounds like you were very receptive to the coaching and it was a su success. Uh, thanks to Yuri. And then we have another first time chatter here, Smiffer saying, Yuri coached me. He looked at one of my TVT replays when I was Masters 3 and gave me a replay build order to follow. Now, after two years, I hit 5k. Uh, this is, this is solid. 5k is, that is no joke to hit 5k. So congratulations, Smiffer. Not sure if I'm saying your ID correctly, but I'll roll with that. I've helped. Uh, I feel like I'm a real community member now. <laughs> we also have just a, a little minor shout out for Vindicta uh, in the chat. He's a Grandmaster League Terran that does coaching as well. So check him out. Yeah, he's pretty good. Definitely would recommend him as, as a coach. I'm not currently offering coaching. Uh, yeah, I don't really plan on offering it. I feel like the market is a bit small and Vindicta does a good job. So I'll let him coach who he wants to coach. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those things where if you're very receptive and also like the whole thing, like especially like trying to get uh, like lesser players like to improve and get out of wherever they are in their MMR range. I would say like the biggest thing that I learned to like tell people is there's definitely like a correct way to play the game to get maximum like results <laughs> and nobody's going to like me saying this, but it, you kind of have to just play a macro game and you have to, um, you have to, you have to like understand what you're doing and you have to really think about what's going on in each game and why you lost certain games and really think about, uh, how to improve and like, and I would say the coach's job should be to demystify that. Cause I think, especially from what I remembered when I was in lower leagues, uh, I, I kept on thinking, yeah, I'm a good player. I'm a good player, but, and I play just like higher rank player X and I'm doing like 90% of the stuff they're doing. But sometimes it's like that 10% where it's like, you don't see it cause it's like your own gameplay and you're a bit blinded by it. But if someone points it out, uh, it could definitely be very, uh, valuable. Sure. Cool. All right. And uh, next question here. Do you coach 
only your main race? Like, do you only coach Terran, or have you had Protoss yeah. or Zerg players come no, to you? No, I would never take Protoss Zerg. I feel like, unless you're coaching, like, Diamond, like, Diamond 3 and under, maybe, but I think the game is very complicated, and I don't think it's fair to coach uh, people who... Are at, are at like diamond two, diamond one level and above if you don't actually main the race, even if you are like grandmaster and you off race in like masters. Like, I just don't think it's fair because there are like certain aspects of the game that carry over regardless of what race, like speed, like how fast you are. And maybe your mechanics aren't like amazing, but you're like, like, like you see this in the p great players like Rainer, like. He can do the same thing with zealots that he can with zerglings, and he can do it faster than them than like basically almost everybody in the world. And he can pick apart players that he shouldn't like be defeating, because he's just so fast and so mechanically good. So I feel like some things, some races, some parts of certain races, like they carry. And so you may have like gaps in your like gameplay, but I just don't think it's fair to coach people that are not people uh races that you're not really super familiar with and like technically uh like proficient with even if you are x rank that's a fair assessment i mean especially if you're offering a paid service you, yeah. and if okay and then this might be and we don't have to name names if there's any client that has been like this but have you ever had to deny a client after or during coaching like you know, let's say yeah. you, you pick up a client and they're just completely unreceptive. Like, no, what are you talking about? I made SCVs. <laughs> like, I did the upgrades uh, on time and, and they're really acting delu almost delusional at that point. I never have, but I've seen examples of people that have like gameplay of people that probably would not benefit from coaching. Like I used to think, firmly believe like everyone can benefit from it. But like I've seen enough players in enough games at this point where I think there definitely are, but I would say the majority of people probably could learn something and take something from from coaching. So, if you are trying to improve your gameplay, I would say uh, it is definitely something. I, I would say the the best use of coaching is if you don't have a lot of time, but you have a good amount of money. Like if you're young, like maybe not as important, but if you're older and you want to improve your game, definitely much more important. So this might be the StarCraft two equivalent of like Roblox or like a. Was it Fortnite V Bucks? Like you just yeah. <laughs> coaching for StarCraft, yeah. right? <laughs> it's it's indirect pay to win, I guess, if you think about it. <laughs> All right. For time's sake, let's jump over to the streamer topic here. Uh, so before we started the podcast tonight, you kindly passed off your viewers to the, the stream, the podcast. I appreciate that. And the first question here, when did you start streaming? Yeah, I streamed uh January 2020, I started streaming. Uh, yeah, streaming is really hard to get into. Uh, it's really hard to get your name out there. I can understand. I feel like the first year, I didn't stream a ton, but I definitely did stream. And I had like two viewers, like very, very few viewers. And yeah, I didn't really start growing until I got like bigger raids. Like basically the easiest way to grow, especially in StarCraft is getting raids from like big streamers so that like people will like eventually learn to know who you are and then you can like start going your stream. But 
especially like just I guess these days like 2022 on Twitch TV it's just very hard to organically grow a stream because there's so many streams for sure okay so you started early 2020 maybe right before the yeah. pandemic happened yeah uh, I do agree it's to grow a stream regardless of what game it is or content uh it's really about consistency the raids do help a lot certainly you get a different set of eyes different audience uh different set of trolls in your chat uh and of course. make it work you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. okay so what um what kind of streams do you enjoy broadcasting are you do you get a lot of try hard or is it it sounds like you mostly enjoy interactive and just kind of playing fun kind of streams um well, I used to not really like interactive streamers too, too much, but I don't know. I think my opinion on them has changed a bit. It's more with an interactive streamer. It's more about the chat community and like seeing people in chat that, you know, and talking to people that, you know, you've seen like day after day, but I mean, it just depends like what the stream is offering. Cause in that, in that sense, they're offering like your community and you're probably not there as much for the Starcraft gameplay. At least I'm not usually, uh, but like high level streams, like that's more of just like studying the game. Uh, looking through like vods and stuff like th that's also definitely very uh entertaining but it's like it's more like instructive it's more like when you see a pov of a professional player it's more it, it is entertaining in a sense but it's also like at least part of me like wants to try to like learn something from them because there's always something to learn from somebody i rated uh so i don't know it just depends like it i yeah it, starcraft is kind of a complicated game i guess <laughs> okay and then as far as your Twitch streaming goes, are you a affiliate? Yeah, I'm affiliate, yeah. Okay. And then do you have any goals for streaming or you're just kind of happy where you're at right now? I just do it for fun. If I was, if I had goals for streaming, I would probably either start talking all the time when I was playing games or take the game like much more seriously, play a lot of it off stream and then stream like less, but stream like higher quality games. But I, I haven't really done either. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. I don't really play the game that seriously, and I don't really talk. So sometimes I wonder why anyone watches me. But, you know, it is what it is, I guess. <laughs> People have a wide variety of interests within this game, you know? I mean, like, to yeah. me, you're a very high-level player. Coming from yeah, that's true. three three six, and I see that you're 5-2, I'm like, I'll watch your stream yeah. to, to learn, honestly. You're not a Maru. You know, you're not a, a Dream or a Bunny or whatever. But to me... There's a lot of value in, in learning, and even if you're not talking as much, you're not as interactive. Yeah, I, as, as a viewer, I watch for entertainment. I also watch to learn, and also the, it's, it's all-encompassing for me as a viewer. It's, yeah. it's about the chat. If there's my friends are in chat, we can vibe with some, you know, some channel points or some, some memes yeah, yeah. and mess around. Yeah. It's all there, you know? Yeah, that's what I like about StarCraft is it's very, especially like the last five years, I'd say, like, if you're in enough Twitch chats, you just you definitely start recognizing a lot of people. And I, I feel like before that, like, I don't know, maybe I just wasn't as active in Twitch chats, but it definitely this game feels like a very uh, nice, small, smaller, I wouldn't say it's really small, but smaller-ish community that, I don't know, it feels very homily. I don't know if you get that feeling. I do, yeah. And I think it goes with the theme of the podcast. And hopefully in the future, if Stormgate really kicks off to be... The successor to StarCraft 2, there might be a yeah. Grassroots Stormgate podcast. We'll see. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. <laughs> okay. Uh, continuing the final question here for the streamer topic. 
uh, who is your favorite, who are your favorite streamers to watch? Like for let's talk about entertainment first. Um, like in general, like I, I watch a lot of different streamers. I don't know. I don't really tell people that, but I want, I used to only watch StarCraft streamers probably like five years ago, but like these days, like I follow a lot of different streamers. Like I'm just like different games and stuff. Like, uh, like I, Right, for a while there, I was watching a decent amount of Valorant. I've even watched a decent amount of Fortnite. Like, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't know. That's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's for me, like, yeah. It's what you enjoy. So a bit of, a bit of Valorant, a bit of Fortnite. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it just depends. I don't know. It depends who's live. It depends what's going on. I, I, I even played a bit of chess for a while. started watching some chess streamers. Like, like right now, out of the StarCraft directory, I, I don't know if I can really tell you I watch anyone like super duper regularly. I guess I watch Practice X a good amount. He's a nice guy, but everyone else. I mean, obviously, I've watched your stream before, but. Uh, yeah, Switch, Twitch is kind of dead at this time of night, but definitely in the morning, like EPT Cups, Mondays, like the usual suspects is always fun to just see some pro matches. Yeah, Hero Marine. He's got, consistently got over a thousand viewers. Yeah, really good Hero following. Marine's a little annoying though, because like he's got a bit of an ego these days, which I mean is justified because he's very good. But at the same time, like the people in his chat kind of just feed off of that, and they also kind kind of like annoying. So like, I don't know. It's it's just annoying like seeing all these people in chat who like aren't nearly as good as Hero Marine, but they're acting like him. It's, it's, it can be a little bit. Uh... Just irritating, I guess. <laughs> Fanboys, if you will. And I follow him on, on Instagram. He's been hitting the weights, and I think, understandably, he gets uh, self-confidence yeah. from hitting the weights, and maybe yeah, some yeah. of it goes beyond confidence <laughs> into that realm of, of uh, cockiness. But if, if the man can have top GM on EU... <laughs> he, got, he can do whatever the fuck he wants, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, there's some truth to that. It's just, yeah, the, the fanboys, they get a little bit too uh, rowdy sometimes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that wraps up the streamer section. Uh, let's go into fan here. This is a bit of a condensed section here, but uh, who are your current favorite pro players? Well, I think everyone likes Maru. If you don't like Maru, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. If you don't like StarCraft, <laughs> I'll say it right now. But I, I definitely, out of the Terran players, um, TY was really good before he went to the military. Uh, Innovation was also one of my favorite players. I don't think he's coming back to StarCraft, though. Um, who else? Uh, Beyond was great in 2016, but I don't really like him anymore because he plays a, a very... Uh, like micro like he plays this play style that nobody else can really play because he's very good at the game like te technically and just micro wise but i don't know he's players like that it kind of annoy me because i'll know i'll never be able to play like that and play well so yeah it's not really my style but who else do i like that plays turn oh bunny's usually pretty good but he doesn't usually play a lot of tournaments so uh you only really ever see his games in like the GSL. major tournaments or gsl right but I like how he plays. Who else? Uh, Ryang's all right, but again, you don't see his games a ton. I also I also like Clem. I, I like a lot of different turn players, I guess. As far as the other races go, I don't know. I'm never really cheering for Zerg players because they win every tournament anyway. So it's like, eh, like why would I try cheer for the winning team? <laughs> but uh, Protoss, uh, it depends. Like PvP, I'm starting to starting to kind of like Protoss PvP, but. That's mostly just because I always know a Protoss player will lose in a PvP, and I, I take some uh, <laughs> satisfaction from that. Um, what else? What else? 
Yeah, like I really, and I'll, I'll say, I'll say this, uh, like for first person, like you don't usually see like a lot of first person of super, super high level, like S tier players, like dark rogue, like they use, sometimes they stream, sometimes like, even someone like Mario, like you don't usually see the first person. So if, if you're like, like top five in the world in your race and you're streaming on Twitch TV, like I'm going to want to watch you. So, cause like, it's just so rare to see first person of those types of players, but like beyond that, like. I like I don't know I, I I respect those people as competitors and as players because obviously like it's very difficult to get that good at something like StarCraft, um, but as far as like cheering for players like I I don't know I I like my macro players I don't really like the cheese players too much I don't really like the pure talent players either too much but yeah I don't know I, there's not really a player in StarCraft that I hate per se it's just I like some players better than others. Okay, so you have a healthy uh, fan following of the, a lot of the top tier pro Terran players. You know, Maru, uh, yeah, yeah. not so much beyond a little bit more, a little bit more of a micro style, like you said. He's probably the closest to uh, Boxer, or rather, not Boxer, Marine King Prime, kind of the modern Marine King Prime without being as hardcore on the micro. But Clem, a lot of good Terran players. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Beyond in twenty sixteen, I was definitely a fan because. I don't know if you're around then, but there was one patch in at the end of 2016. I want to say he was like unstoppable. Like he could be, he was like head and shoulders above everybody else in the game. Is when Tankavax like just before they got patched out, and like it was something else to watch that guy micro. But these days, I don't know. He's 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 still good, but I don't know. Sometimes I want to see him lose. Maybe I'm just weird like that. I don't know. <laughs> it's not weird. It's like sports, right? It's you know, yeah, some people yeah. want to see a sports team lose on a particular team. <laughs> so how is that different compared to like a particular I player in a game? I guess, not, yeah. I, I guess it, it's it's more personal if it's like a player versus a team and that's where people think it's like, oh it's BM, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. True. Good point, good point. Didn't think of it like that. Okay. So which pro tournaments are your favorite? Are you consistent like GL GSL Watcher or you like it sounds like you like a mixture of GSL and NA tournaments. Um, yeah, I don't really follow the EPT Cups that much anymore. Once in a while, I catch like a match on a Saturday night if it's like a Korea. Um, yeah, I don't really follow those that closely. Uh, GSL, I'll generally watch all the turn games, but the other games I don't really care too much about unless it's like an NA player. Then maybe I'll watch them. Like, kind of sad to see Australia lose in GSL. Oh, that's kind of a spoiler. I don't know, whatever. But uh, yeah, beyond that, I'll watch generally most of the major tournaments. I might not see like every single group stage, but I'll see like the bracket, most of the bracket stages of most of the major tournaments. Again, same rule kind of follows though. If it's not a turn matchup, probably not gonna watch it. Uh, but yeah, that does it doesn't mean like I'm not gonna watch it for sure. But I, I'm not gonna like make sure I see it, you know. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's, uh, yeah. yeah, so it sounds like you're, as a viewer, the focus is is Terran players. Uh, yeah, yeah. It is it is tough seeing, you know, foreigners that work so hard in GSL and then not making it yeah. recently. But I think there's still hope. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I you like to think it's like growing pains, but the way GSL is structured, like you have so much time to prepare for your opponents. I don't know, maybe this is a hot take, but I feel like the Koreans have been playing GSL forever. Like, they're just really good at... 
the tournaments where they know who they're about to play and they know how to prepare about against X player. Certainly. I, I feel like they're just a bit better at that just because they've been playing GSL for so long. Right, we're um, talking like 10 plus seasons here. I think a lot of the stats yeah, I saw yeah. in a stateless, right? It's a state and uh, tasteless now cast. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the a lot of them have been playing ten plus seasons, fifteen mm -hmm. seasons of GSL. Some of them yeah. almost consecutively seasons. They're a mastermind yeah. of this format. They're the master of studying their opponents. They're, yeah, yeah. It's a less like it, a less forgiving tournament in a sense compared to maybe some others. But I mean, that's maybe what makes it one of the best, if not the best, professional StarCraft yeah, out there. It's a little weird though because some matchups like there'll be so many different meta games and stuff because like a lot of these players know each other quite well and they played each other a lot. Like some of these series, they just don't make any sense, and it's like, okay, well, as a viewer, I'd love to know what that meta game was, but I guess I'll never know because I'm not the player, and I don't know what they usually do on the ladder, or what they've done in the past against you. Know, like there's so many of the, those little matchups in the pro scene that I feel like go untalked about a lot, just because like players don't really want to just reveal their hand and stuff, like they're trying to make money and stuff, you know. <laughs> Certainly. I mean, when there's 20, 20 to $30,000 on the line for first place GSL, uh, a player like Hero, you know, is not going to go gateway man style until, you know, he, yeah. <laughs> he sees the money within the reach of his hands, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and now we see that PVZ has drastically changed or starting to, you know? Yeah. I, I have heard of that meta shift, yeah. They're going heavy gateway these days. So keeping on the topic as a fan, uh, let's let's shift over to live events. Uh, how many live events have you been to? Uh, just recently, like a couple weeks ago, I went to my first LAN, but beyond that, no, I hadn't gone to a LAN before that. There isn't really many live events on this side of the U.S., and I hadn't really been to a BlizzCon before in the past. I was kind of too young, too cheap, kind of a combination of both. Uh, but yeah, I don't have a ton of live experience. Okay, so maybe one local tournament. And do you have plans to attend DreamHack Atlanta later this year? No, probably not. I gotta, like, get a career on, on my feet. And if I have a job then, I will definitely probably not have time to go. Uh, but I'd like to. Maybe next year, Stormgate, if there's tournaments and stuff. Maybe then. I don't know. I'm kind of in a transitionary point in my life, so I don't really want to plan something like that out. And then find out I can't go last minute for X reason. Sure. Understandable. Okay, I think that pretty much concludes everything I had to talk about for the podcast. Uh, before we move to the outro section, uh, just want to give some shout outs in the chat. We had a few raids tonight. Uh, I want to thank Yuri, of course, for being on the podcast and, and for the raid. Flip a, flap, flip a flapjack for the raid. Uh, RNG Pro KEI for the raid. And everybody that's been hanging out in the chat, I'm going to pass the mic off to you, Yuri, uh, for the outro here. Feel free to plug your social medias. Uh, feel free to plug your stream. Anything else that you want to say? Okay, twitch.tv slash yuristcsc2. Uh, that's really all I really want to plug. Um, definitely, if you're listening and you're from my stream, follow It's PCH. Dude's trying to grow his Twitch channel. It seems like he's running a nice, uh, he's running a nice little podcast here. Right? I feel like this is the type of thing that StarCraft needs more of. So, yeah. That's all I really have to say. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you, sir.
And uh, the Twitch link will be in the show notes for the folks that are listening to the podcast. Uh, for folks in the chat that did not catch the full podcast, uh, the podcast audio will be on all major podcast platforms. The video will be on my YouTube channel. And that concludes this episode of the podcast. Thank you again, Yuri.